Well, good morning, y'all. We are uh, continuing in our series we've entitled Revival because we're having a little bit of a revival meeting over the next few weeks. Um, I um, grew up in that, so this is like all sentimental for me. Like we brush off the old hymns and bring out the southern gospel music and bust out some of the old verses that just scare the crap out of people, and, you know, we just bring it. Uh, But I will remind you, a revival is a Christian meeting to bring people back to Jesus and or strengthen their faith, and that's exactly what we are uh, setting out to do over the next few weeks, because I think a lot of us could use a little bit of revival in our relationship with God to get our spiritual vitality back so that we can live all out for Jesus. Um, A few weeks ago, I was on our back porch in our home in Nicaragua, and I was with a guy named Stu, who's kind of our boots-on-the-ground guy for Nika Angels, our ministry in Nicaragua, and we were out there, we were having a glass of wine, looking up at the stars, it was a beautiful moment, and we um, looked up and we saw this, which was absolutely crazy. This uh, started just like flying over our heads. There were like 20 of these things, and then they would like stop, and then there were 20 more, and it would stop. And there were like 60 of these things that ended up flying over heads. And, you know, I'm telling you, I thought the world was coming to an end. I, I thought the rapture had occurred, and like old Charlie, me and Stu, we were left behind. Uh, Turns out it was just an Elon Musk thing where he created this like satellite train because he's trying to launch uh, 10,000 of these things to do internet over the entire world. But it's funny though, when you have a moment like that, there's times that there's just something that shakes us and wakes us from the, the normal life that helps us to look up and remember wow, there really is something big. There's something out there that is bigger than all of this, bigger than this life. And it reminds us that this whole thing that we know and we love and we're comfortable with will one day come to an end. And in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 15, the Apostle Paul says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. The last trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised from their graves, and we will all be changed. We'll step out of these mortal clothes and we'll slide into immortal bodies and enter into eternal life, and then, then death will be conquered. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the ability to overcome death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. And let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of God because you know that whatever you do for God is never in vain. It's never a waste of time. It's passages like this one that remind us that life is short and 
so we just got to stop messing around. Well, um, just uh, weeks uh, before my dad died, I uh, had a conversation with my dad's wife, and um, that was really sobering for me. My dad was 87 at the time. Uh, Juanita was his wife at the time, and they were married uh, not too long after my mom died. They had this beautiful relationship together. It was awesome. And um, my dad had just had a stroke, and it paralyzed him from the waist down. He lost his ability to swallow. They had to put in a feeding tube. It was it was a mess. And when he was uh, finally getting ready to get released from the hospital, the doctor pulled us aside and said, "Hey, he can't go home. You're going to have to put him in a." facility, which, like I vowed, I would never put him in a facility, but never say never, because that's exactly what we had to do. And so we started looking for an assisted living facility that um, we chose, uh, not only because it was a Christian-based place, but um, they also had apartments adjacent to the assisted living part. And so Juanita, who was in great health, um, could move in there, and she could just walk down the hallway without leaving the building at any time. So we had this great plan as a family um, to, you know, figure it out. The problem was we didn't include Juanita in the plan. And um, so we made all of this planning without her. And all of a sudden, it's a couple days, you know, before it's time to release my dad and to go into this facility. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, wow, we'd never even <laughs> talked to her about this. Like, we as a family just kind of, like, made that we're a family like that. And just kind of bulldoze through. And all of a sudden I go, oh, crap. And so uh, Shelby and I grab Juanita and we say, hey, why don't we all go down together to the facility and we'll help you pick out your apartment, figure it out. And, and she goes, awesome, I'd really appreciate that. So we, we walk in and, again, like, you know, she's in great health. And we walk in and it was very apparent really quickly uh, that people were in a much different place than she was, and it was people who were really in poor health and people who just weren't with it and couldn't get around on their own. And as she walks in, it just, you know, hits her. And I just heard her say under her breath, she said, this is a nightmare. And as we begin to walk through the facility, she somehow convinces herself that it's, very homey and comfortable, and she would be honored to get an apartment here, and she hoped that one day dad would recover enough that she could live in the apartment side of the place with her instead, which never happened. But she was able to somehow accept that this was going to be her new normal, and you could just kind of see that she was just kind of gaining the strength to, like, do this thing. And as, she, as we were leaving, she says, you know, I now know what the Bible means when it says, in the twinkling of an eye. She said, Bob and I were standing there the other morning in the bathroom. We were laughing. We were joking around one minute. And the next minute, he gets hit by a stroke. And our lives are changed forever. And she said, this, this is where I'm going to have to walk by faith. And she said, I can't believe that everything changed so quickly. I have to tell you, that moment hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think that it's because 
you know, most of us, we kind of go through life pretty oblivious to what we know in the back of our heads is inevitable someday. That things like that are going to happen to all of us, that we're going to find ourselves in circumstances that we never even imagined. And when it happens, it drops us to our knees and it just wipes us out in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised from their graves, and we will all be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, change happens. And whether you're 84 or 24, the question is the same. Will you be ready when it does? I think a lot of us, including myself, would rather stay in kind of blissful denial about all of the stuff that can and will eventually happen because we're content to pretend that it's never going to happen to me. Right? It's always going to happen to somebody else. But the Apostle Paul is reminding us here that there will come a day when everything that we know and love and are comfortable with in this world is one day going to come to an end. And so, we've got to stop messing around and get serious. Many of us get so busy in life that we put off our Faith, we put off having a serious commitment in our relationship with God and following Jesus, and we put it off to the someday of our lives, right? We say, someday I'll get serious. You know, in the meantime, I'll go to church, I'll do my thing, but someday I'll get serious about this relationship with God thing. Someday I will make it a priority. But before we know it, that someday hits. And we are so not prepared for it. And by the time we realize it, it's too late. we got to stop messing around. And so having a proper view of the end game, right? Living with the knowledge that life is short and it's fleeting. And I think that that really helps us if we can have a conscious reminder about that. It really helps us to understand and be able to see what are the things in our life that we're wasting our time on. But it will also cause us to ask ourselves the question, what is it that I am investing my life in that has any value that will go beyond the grave? What am I giving my life for? And is it really worth it? When we truly get that our lives in the scheme of eternity, our our existence is no longer than just a blip on a screen. It changes our perspective and it causes us to live differently because instead of living like this, we live like this. One of my favorite pieces of research was done by a sociologist uh, several years ago now, um, but he, he got 50 people who were over the age of 95, and he asked them all just one question. 
He said, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? And he said, all three basically said the same thing. First, they would have reflected on their life more. In other words, they would have more self-evaluation so that they could understand where they were at, where they wanted to go, so that they would have more control over the direction of their lives. The second one was that they would have risked more. They felt like they played it too safe. And the third one was they felt like they would have done more to make a difference, to be connected with something that had a bigger sense of purpose or mission. I think that all of us are looking for meaning in our lives. We all want to be part of something bigger, something that we can invest in that will last beyond our lifetime. But I think I really don't know what holds us back, and maybe it's just, maybe it's just that we don't know how, or um, we can't really identify what that is, or we don't want to do the work to kind of figure it out, or maybe we don't want to make the sacrifices that it takes to have that kind of radical commitment, or to, to set aside the kind of time that is required to have that kind of, uh, of connection and purpose, but For people who I think all of us want to have that sense of meaning, I think there's very few of us who are really engaged in it, who are really driven by a sense of purpose every single day. And so that someday of doing something meaningful never ever comes because we keep pushing it aside. I mean, at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't pay the bills, right? And so we, by default, then, invest our time in things that help us to get more financial security and comfort, rather than looking things that go beyond the grave. That's unquantifiable. That's uncomfortable. And I think that's just it. I think we get into this protectionist bunker mentality where we have made a decision, whether conscious or unconscious, that we're going to do whatever it takes to take care of me and mine. And that's what our life becomes about. Just taking care of life. And so we hold on to and we fight for all the wrong stuff. Pretty much, we do it so that we make sure that we're not going to run out of money if we live to the ripe old age of 95, right? Have you had that thought in your head? Am I going to have enough? If I live that long, will the money run out? Do I have enough? And so we plan for that event. A great example of this was a guy Jesus describes in a, in a story in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus says there was the farm of a certain rich man who produced a great crop. And he thought to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest, he said. Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down all my existing barns, and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll gather all my grain and goods, and I will say to myself, Man, you have done well. You've got it made. Go out and retire. You have plenty of grain laid up for you for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But just then, God shows up, and he says to him, You fool." This very night, you're going to die. 
Now who will get all that you have saved for yourself? It's really the crux of the issue that Jesus is laying out, isn't it? Storing up all the wrong stuff for ourselves and not living a life in God, which is exactly what Jesus says at the end of that passage in verse 21. He says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. He was invested in all the wrong stuff. He could have taken that money and he could have leveraged it to do something great and meaningful. He could have taken the time that he had to be able to retire and to leverage that and to make a difference in the world. But instead, he had this protectionist bunker mentality that was all about protecting his interests and the interests of his family and making sure that his future was secure and comfortable. The problem was that when he finally made it, he dies, <laughs> ironically, and all of that stuff that he worked so hard for was now worth nothing to him in the end. I mean, that's a guy who was messing around, not being serious about what was real, and he got caught unprepared. He thought, He had more than enough time to be able to enjoy all that he had created for himself. But in the twinkle of an eye, it all changed. Which, look, we can sit here in armchair quarterback that thing all day long. But truth is, we do the same thing, don't we? Instead of leveraging what we have to live all out for Jesus, we shrink back in fear of scarcity, in fear of not having enough, in fear of losing what we have. And so we hold on tight to all the wrong stuff for all the wrong reasons. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Instead, invest in treasures that are in heaven where moss and rust cannot corrode or destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There will your heart be also. Wherever you're spending your time, wherever you're investing your money, wherever is your focus, that is where your heart is and that is who you are. I think the essence of what he's saying here is it's all about what it is that we put our faith in. I mean, a great example of that is that we all put our faith in the American dream to own our own home, right? And for those of us who bought before the downturn in 07, we all thought we were making like this great investment. We watched as home prices went up year after year, and we thought to ourselves, this is great. You can't lose. We buy a home. It's an investment. It's our our nest egg. And we would just watch the value continue to go up and up, and that would be our retirement. But what we couldn't even comprehend was the complete erosion of what all of us put our faith in, all of us, which was the U.S. economy. We thought it was too strong to fail, but before we know it, our house value dropped like a lead balloon, and many of us were financially devastated in the twinkle of an eye. And now, some 12 years later, values continue to creep 
back up. We forget again just how bad it was. Life is comfortable again. We get our confidence back, and then out of nowhere comes some coronavirus that completely tanks the stock market and depletes the value of a whole lot of American corporations. I'm just telling you that when we store up for ourselves treasures on this earth, it is a house of cards. It is fragile, and it is temporary, and it will not last. And according to Jesus, we have a choice. We can go through this world one of two ways. We can either invest ourselves in the stuff of this world, where we know as sure as we need air to breathe, that it will all come to an end. We know that intellectually. Or we can invest our stuff, invest our lives in the stuff of God that he tells us will last forever. And Jesus says, you pick. But just as you pick that path to walk down, go in eyes wide open because you now know how that story ends either way. I remember as I was trying to have a conversation with my dad just before he died about some financial issues, trying to get his affairs in order, and he, I'll just never forget, he just looks at me and he says, do you think I care about any of that right now? He's like, do you think that matters to me? He's like, I don't care. Do whatever you think is best. Which if you know him, that was not his personality. And it just, you know, made me think that what if we could, instead of making our lives all about this financial planning and retirement planning and making sure that we, you know, have enough money if we do live to be 95 years old, what if we could turn that whole thing around and just start from the premise That on the day that we die, whatever we've accumulated, whatever money we have in the bank, it don't mean a hill of beans. What if we could start with the premise that on our deathbed, ain't no amount of money going to make a difference in that moment? And what if we could then plan our way back to where we're at right now? And we look at the gap between here and here, and we go, okay, what do I want my life to be about? What's real? What's meaningful? Who do I want to be? What do I want to be invested in? How does that change your retirement plan? What does that look like for you? How does this fit on your calendar? When you peel away all of the superficial layers of your life and you get down to the core of who you really are, what are you left with? What is it the very heart of make that makes you you, that makes you tick? What is it that drives you every day? What is it that gets you out of bed? And makes you do what you do. That's what you're invested in. 
That's where your heart is. That passage in 1 Corinthians ends up in chapter 15. The Apostle Paul ends up saying, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of God. Because you know whatever it is that you do for God is never a waste of time and it will be so worth it in the end. Paul says when we finally figure out what's real in this world, stop messing around and stand firm. And let nothing move you. Let nothing pull you back. I can just tell you that on that day that my dad died and I saw him that day, that he was very prepared for that moment. He was a person of strong faith, one of the strongest faiths that I know. And he knew exactly where he was going. And when he looked back at his life, in the gap there's some incredible stuff some stuff with meaning and purpose and he went out of this world with no regrets I think this whole thing comes down to just developing a faith that is real and sustainable and a faith that is strong enough that can hold us in those tough times, a faith that will drive us in the decisions that we make, a faith that's strong enough to carry us when life tries to distract us away. Stand firm. Invest your life in the stuff of God. And let nothing move you. And we have this promise that if we do, when that someday hits in the twinkle of an eye and everything changes for you, we have this promise that we will have a faith that is strong enough that we can grab hold of that will get us through it. And in that moment, we'll know it's all been so worth it. But in the meantime, we really got to stop messing around.